We did it, everybody. We made it through three hours of me on Moon Graffon show, three hours of Moon on Dan Bongino's show, and now I'm back to close out this portion of the day. Of course, we're not done locally. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL, but it has been a crazy day. The Supreme Court has ended Pride Month by telling the LGBT crowd, you cannot compel a uh, a website designer to make a website celebrating your gay marriage. That is how Pride Month ends. It's actually been a fascinating day watching the reactions to the Supreme Court and its decisions. Of course, if you want to call in and talk about it, 232-1542 is the number. Plenty to discuss. I just want to make a point. I saw somebody make on social media Over the last 48 hours, the Supreme Court has said the First Amendment means what it says. The 14th Amendment means what it says. Article 1 of the Constitution means what it says. The Supreme Court affirmed that the Constitution, the rights provided, the way the Constitution is structured, the court affirmed that's how it's supposed to be. And the left has lost their minds over it. In fact, we're getting ready to hear, well, we're not, but Joe Biden's about to make an address on the Supreme Court's decision on the student loans thing. Keep in mind, the student loan issue, the Supreme Court in their decision, in the majority's decision, cited Joe Biden, cited Nancy Pelosi when they said, well, the president just can't up and and forgive student loans like that. It's not possible. That was in the majority's opinion. There's a little twisting of the knife there. But the left is apoplectic over this. I love that word. I've used it a few times today. Sorry. But I just love it. It's it's the only way to describe the left's freakout over these decisions. The left is actually mad that the Supreme Court ruled based on the Constitution rather than what might impact people with student loan debt. It's fascinating. Had had Joe Biden actually gone to Congress and had Congress write a law saying that his administration could do it, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in. Even more importantly, he decided to do this when the Democrats had full control. There was nothing the Republicans could do. The Republicans could not stop the Democrats if they wanted to, if the Democrats had decided we're going to write a law that forgives student loan debt. Had the Democrats done that, this Supreme Court case would not have been a thing. But instead, after saying, well, we really can't do that, even last year, Nancy Pelosi saying, he really can't do that, and Joe Biden saying, well, we really can't do that, then they turned around and now the Democrats are, are shocked that the Supreme Court would say, well, Actually, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi were right. They can't do it. They are extremely upset about this. They are so, so very mad about this. Here's what's even better. Here's what's even better. The court. I want to read you the actual citation. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. 
He does not have that power. That has to be an act of Congress. The majority included that in their opinion. That's the direct quote from Nancy Pelosi. And yet, despite that, the Democrats turned around, decided to do it anyway, and now they're, they're mad. Now they're accusing the Supreme Court of making policy for the bench. That was actually Elena Kagan's argument in the dissent today. In the dissent, Elena Kagan said, let me find the direct quote here. The result here is that the court substitutes itself for Congress and the executive branch in making national policy about student loan forgiveness. The Supreme Court said the exact opposite. Joe Biden said he couldn't do it. Nancy Pelosi said he couldn't do it. Then Biden caved to the progressives and did it. And the court says Biden can't do that. And so Elena Kagan leading the dissent says, look at the court doing Congress's job. The progressive dissent over the last 48 hours has been nonsensical in the best case. And Elena Kagan's is the least nonsensical, but still nonsensical. It's worth noting she didn't weigh in on the other two decisions because the dissenting opinions written by Katanji Brown-Jackson and Sonia Sotomayor have been so absurd, she didn't want her voice, Lena Kagan didn't want her voice associated with it. It's worth noting that Elena Kagan was actually recommended by conservative judges like, yeah, if you're going to pick one, pick her, she's good. She's probably the smartest of the current batch of progressive justices on the court. We've entered this strange family. Let me, I'm going to get off on a tangent here on a sec, for a sec. I've had disagreements with progressive judges in, in what they've ruled. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Stephen Breyer, uh, Elena Kagan, I've disagreed with what they've ruled at times, but I, I've I've never thought they were dumb. When Sonia Sotomayor was nominated, there were a lot of people on the progressive side of the judicial system that were like, I don't know about this, Chief. They went with her anyway. Katanji Brown Jackson was a literal affirmative action hire. Joe Biden said, I'm going to nominate a black woman. There were people on the left who were very qualified for that. There were people on the left who were so qualified, there were some Republicans nervous about some of the options. There were some conservatives who were worried about who Joe Biden could put forward. But instead, he chose Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Sonia Sotomayor and Ketanji Brown-Jackson are representing something new and different on the Supreme Court. For years, we'd been told, remember, When Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg were both alive and both on the court, we got stories every now and then of the unlikely friendship between the two. They were diametrically opposed, philosophically, ideologically, but they were good friends. And there's always been on the court this cordiality between the two sides, progressive and conservative. And even if they didn't agree with each other, they were still friendly with each other.
And I think with this, with Stephen Breyer leaving the Supreme Court, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away. Stephen Breyer retires. Um, Elena Kagan, I think, is probably still trying. But Sotomayor and Kataji Brown-Jackson are not maintaining that cordiality here. Their opinions, their dissenting opinions the past two days have been absolutely scathing, have not been based in legal or constitutional logic, and they've attacked the majority opinion in ways you haven't seen before. In the past, you've seen dissenting opinions that criticize, but they never straight up attack the majority opinion like they are now. That cordiality seems to be gone. And because it's gone, the majority is fighting back. The majority is openly firing back because they are extremely frustrated with the lack of cordiality and professionalism coming from those two. If there was an ounce of professionalism coming from that side, some legal clerks working for Jackson would not have let the dissenting opinion in the Harvard case walk out the door. She cited a study using a characterization that was used in the initial hearings that the authors of the study went back and blasted the Harvard lawyers for using. In that study... The lawyers fighting for discriminating against Asian American students because that's what it was. The lawyers arguing for that cited a study that said black babies at high risk were more likely to die if they had a white lawyer than if they had, I'm not lawyer, doctor, than if they had a black doctor. And Katanji Brown-Jackson cited that in her opinion. That characterization of that study has been blasted not only by other lawyers, but the study's creators themselves. They have come out and attacked that characterization because what the study showed is that children who are at high risk, are sent to the neonatal ICU, and the neonatal ICU is almost always run by a white doctor. There just are not many black doctors in the NICU. So if, you're, if a black baby at high risk has a black doctor, chances are they aren't in the NICU, which means they are a lot at, they're at a much, much more, or much significantly less risk of dying. So it's not that a white doctor is less effective than a black doctor. It's that if you, ha- if your child, if your at-risk child had a black doctor, that means they weren't in the NICU more than likely, and they had a much higher rate. But even then, the numbers that are used and cited from the study were completely inaccurate. And yet she still used it and no clerk, nobody working for her stopped her and said, no, that's that's not right. She went ahead and used it anyway. Her entire opinion, dissenting opinion can be discredited because she's using false information. Sonia Sotomayor did the same thing today. She referred in the case of 
the 303 creative. She she went on and on about discriminating against LGBT, but she says that the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, was an act of discrimination against LGBT when it wasn't. We know for a fact it wasn't. We know the Pulse nightclub shooting was somebody, an Islamic radical, getting revenge against the United States. They didn't even have any idea it was a gay nightclub. They're not using logic. They are not using reasoning. They're using emotion and bad information to try to make their point because they don't really have much of a leg to stand on when it comes to the actual law and the Constitution. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, we'll take a break. Be back on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment right here. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. One thing I want to note as well, talking about the the back and forth between the the majority concurring and dissenting opinions here over the last couple days. For years, conservatives have had a problem with John Roberts because John Roberts has always kind of twisted himself into a pretzel to maintain the legitimacy of the court. He's really wanted to keep the court above the political fray. And it was fine with the Democrats when he was doing things like uh, siding with the progressives on the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Obergefell, the the gay marriage decision. But when the conservative majority started taking over and started making conservative rulings, the left lost its mind and started attacking the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. No matter that there have been a number of opinions with a mixed faction, not strictly conservative or progressive, uh, never mind that several of the decisions, even the last week, have benefited progressives. They are now, once again, undermining the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. They are calling for stacking the court. They're just losing their minds over this. And it looks like if you read the opinions, especially what John Roberts has written, John Roberts has always been a great lawyer, just sometimes he twists himself in these legal pretzels. But here lately, um, John Roberts has shown that he is um he's no longer um he's no longer going to take that route he has i think been radicalized very uh very curious to see that shift in his rhetoric and what he's been writing they've radicalized john roberts he no longer feels constrained by this legitimacy of the court feeling that he has, and you could see a lot more conservative decisions come out of him maybe because of that. Anyway, let's take a break. More news of the day to get to here on News Talk 96.5. KPL, my fourth hour of radio for the day. I'm not done yet. Talk to you guys again in just a second. Let's take a look at the national news. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. There has been a lot of talk, a lot of focus, really, on the Supreme Court, but there are some other news items to, uh, to mention. I've kind of 
been I've 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 been paying attention to this story about the Louisiana Democratic Party today. I mentioned it during Moonshot. It, it is kind of funny, to be honest. Uh the Democratic Party chair under fire for endorsement moves. So if you didn't listen to Moon's show, let me just briefly go over this story from the Louisiana Illuminator. A string of decisions by the Louisiana Democratic Party chair has generated infighting among party members and a recent lawsuit surrounding its candidate endorsements. Two members of the Democratic State Central Committee, Catherine Hurst and Amy Robinson, filed suit on June 22nd against party chair Katie Bernhardt in an attempt to stop her from suspending the party's bylaws to push through an endorsement of gubernatorial candidate Sean Wilson. Party members knew well ahead of time that the bylaws needed to be amended to allow for a timely endorsement of Wilson, Hearst said. The process to change the bylaws required a 45-day notice of the proposed changes to the party's rules and bylaws committee, according to the party's constitution. However, that process never occurred. Instead, Bernhardt called for a suspension of the bylaws to endorse Wilson during the party's June 24th meeting, a move that ignored the constitutional notice requirements. Here's the best part. The party's parliamentarian, Derek Shepard, allowed the motion and said it would need a two-thirds vote. Bernhardt declared the motion had passed in an 89-to-1 vote. The group then voted to endorse Sean Wilson in a unanimous 96-to-0 vote, Hearst said. The minimum number of party members needed for quorum is 96 members, so apparently the motion to suspend the rules and bylaws didn't even meet quorum in its vote. But there's more. Derek Shepard is the party's parliamentarian. He's not a registered parliamentarian. He is a former state senator and former lawyer who was permanently disbarred for a money laundering conviction. The Louisiana Senate allows for a suspension of some of its floor procedures with a two-thirds vote, but no such provision exists in the Democratic State Central Committee's bylaws or constitution. Allison Wallace, a New Orleans lawyer and registered parliamentarian, said an organization's bylaws can only be suspended in very rare cases, such as if bylaws specifically allow for their own suspension. Another case might be for very technical reasons that don't involve matters of substance. It's definitely not kosher, Wallace said in a phone interview. You vote on your bylaws. You live with them. Our bylaws are just being ignored on whim whenever Bernhardt feels like it, then that's not a way to run an organization, Hearst said. Now, the reason they rushed this through is so they could go ahead and get a party endorsement out because Sean Wilson desperately needs money in order to be able to compete. All of the polling, which, by the way, I've mentioned uh, here recently, all of the polling shows that Wilson's probably in the top two, it's him and Landry, with Landry generally on top, and then it's a huge drop-off to the third place, which is right now Stephen Waggispack. But in order to make it through the primary and the runoff, Wilson's going to need a lot of money. Jeff Landry can spend a good bit of money and just keep the numbers he has right now, and he can be in first if uh, he can be in at least second place, if not first place, which looks like he's going to be in first place. Wilson will then need a ton of money to compete with Jeff Landry's ton of money that he will still have after the primary when he goes into this runoff mode and he's going after Wilson. 
he will, Jeff Landry will absolutely be going after Wilson. It's a given. What's interesting here is that the Democratic Party for the state of Louisiana really hasn't been doing so hot over the last several years. They have, as we've mentioned time and time again, they really backed into the governor's mansion twice because the Republicans don't have their act together. Again, with all of this dysfunction, the Republicans were unable to beat the Democrats. That should tell you a lot about what's going on with the Republican Party right now. But, but here's the thing. This isn't sustainable for a state party. The Democratic State Party here in Louisiana really needs some leadership that actually cares about more than itself. And I don't see that happening within the party because it looks like a lot of the folks in the party who are in leadership really are self-interested. I mean, there's a reason that black voters in the Democratic Party are getting tired of Democratic leadership. It's a bunch of white trial lawyers who are self-interested and they don't really do the things they say they're going to do when they uh, go out and try to solicit black votes. The self-interest in the people who fund the state party, now the people who are running the state party, it's a pretty big issue. And I know most of you listening are in one of two camps right now. You're either in the camp of Joe. This is a conservative station. You say you're a conservative. Why are you giving the Democrats a warning? And then some of you are like, Joe, you're a conservative. I'm a Democrat. I'm a progressive. I don't trust anything you say. That's really the reason I say a lot of the stuff I do when I give my advice to progressives is I know they're not listening because they think I'm trying to sabotage them. They just don't trust my advice. But. But. I say what I say because at the end of the day, the thing that's most important has always been most important in my mind is that the people are represented. And if you are a one, if you're the leadership of a major party in the state and you are not doing what's in the best interest of your voters, what are you doing? If you're looking out for yourself and not the voters, you're not doing the job that the Democrat Party says it wants to do. You're just not. The people deserve to be represented. And yes, if they are in a Democrat district or Democrat politicians are the ones in charge, yes, even then, even then, they deserve representation from the Democrats in charge of them. And it's the people who are self-interested. It's the people who don't really seem to care about the voters that are leading Louisiana into the pits. Because it's not just on the Democrat side. It's also on the Republican side. I mean, we just got through a legislative session that ended with a bunch of Republicans basically taking payoffs to take home to their districts instead of doing what they were actually sent to the legislature to do in the first place. There are a lot of people who claim to be conservative who just have absolutely disappointed conservatives across the state of Louisiana. They did not do what they said they were going to do. They have only added to the greed and, frankly, corruption in the legislature. 
government is at its best when it's following its own laws and rules and constitutions and when it's representing the people. At no point do the actions of Katie Bernhardt and the leadership in the state Democratic Party really seem to be all that interested in anything other than winning because it adds to their own prestige, not because it truly represents the voters they say they represent. When you're letting the rich white trial lawyers dictate how your party is to be operated, which is effectively what's been happening, that's how John Bell Edwards gets selected as the heir apparent to the Democratic Party. And then John Bell and his folks are now pushing for Sean Wilson to be the next guy because they understand they really need to consolidate the black vote, and so they need a good black candidate to do it. When those people are dictating the future of the party, the path of the party, and it's not being done in the interest of the voters, it doesn't matter what party you are. You're, the voters are getting screwed. Yes, friends, even Democrats, even Democrats deserve good representation. Neither party right now, the Republicans nor the Democrats, really seem to be as interested in us as they are in getting and maintaining power, which is always the case. And if you're cynical like me, you understand that, you know, the old adage proves true. Politics is derived from the word poly, meaning many, and ticks, meaning blood-sucking vermin. But the whole point of government, the whole point of elected government is to represent the people who put you into office. And the dysfunction within the state Democratic Party does not bode well for Democrat voters, but it also doesn't bode well for you and me. Most of you listening are at some level a capitalist, and one of the fiercely, fiercely dogmatic aspects of capitalism is the idea that competition makes things better. If the Republicans, if conservatives have lousy, if they have crappy competition, there's no incentive for them to get better. And that's essentially what's happened in the state of Louisiana is that neither party has been really good competition for the other. And so they've again, grown stagnant. They're not competing for voters. They are competing to get their own little bit of the fiefdom. There is no competition driving either party to get better, to better represent the people. There's just competition to win as much as possible and increase their own power and influence. And at some point, at some point, Americans, not just Louisiana residents, but Americans need to stand up and need to say, we want a government that represents us, not a government that represents itself and wants to grow its own power at the expense of our freedom and opportunity. What we need is a government that actually truly gives a damn about the voter. Everybody's screaming about the Supreme Court today. They don't care about the voter. They care about the votes. So all of those little Congress critters out there that are mad about the student loan plan 
should really be mad at themselves for not working on passing a law when they had full control of both of those branches of government. They didn't write a law to end legacy admissions, which is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been screaming about since the affirmative action case. Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, most Democrats shouting about the student loan thing. They could have passed a law. They could have written and passed a law that could have ended this stuff. But they are more interested in fundraising off of your outrage and staying in power based on your outrage rather than actually doing anything they think would actually serve their voters. And it trickles down from Washington, D.C. into the states, the state-level parties. And all those little state-level parties, whether it's the Democrats, whether it's the Republicans, or the Libertarians, or the Constitution Party, or the Green Party, or whoever, people fighting and clawing and scrapping and all the way as far up the ladder as they can for power, for influence. This story in the Illuminator is just one more aspect of it. It's not about following the rules and doing what's best for your party and doing what's best for your voters. Suspend the rules, do whatever you want, just so you can get your hands on more money so your guy can win and you can say your party's resurgent so more money can come in and you can increase your power and influence. And because there's crappy leadership at the top of the Democratic Party, there's crappy leadership at the top of the Republican Party. And there's really no incentive there for the Republican Party to really get any better and really get more representative of the people. They can be just fine sitting there saying, yeah, absolutely, we're doing the best thing we can for the state of Louisiana. Meanwhile, you have people that claim your party identity and do the most progressive things with our state money, with our taxpayer money possible, and you don't say a word about it. You and I aren't represented anymore. Truly, we haven't been for a while. And I go back to something I've said repeatedly. You guys know my thoughts on the man. But I, I don't begrudge anybody who voted for or supported or still supports Donald Trump because Donald Trump listened to his voters. Donald Trump did what his voters asked him to do. They were tired of Washington, D.C. constantly lying to them. So they picked a guy who listened to them. The voters did. And he represented them. He loved his base, still loves his base. It's the first time in a long time people felt represented. And so if Democrats and Republicans alike think they can get rid of Trump simply because he's under indictment or anything like that, they need to think again. And they need to start listening to their voters a lot more closely. All right, we'll wrap it up in just a sec here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL. A little over two minutes before we get through with the week. It's been a good week. It's been good to be back this week. It is unfortunately still incredibly hot. I have to get into the backyard and I have to really do a lot of work in the back. My my goal is to get it fixed up and start working on kind of building back up a barbecue. I've let some things get overgrown and now I want to really build back up a barbecue area. My plan is in the near future, I want a pellet grill to go with the smoker and the little Weber kettle grill I have, uh, but I need to do some serious work back there. 
and that's going to come this weekend, although it's going to be insanely hot still trying to get through all that. But I'm also excited to do it because I really want a chance to make that area look good. Anyway, that's that's just the personal stuff going on right now. Uh, just in, Joe Biden says he's pursuing a different path for student debt relief just hours after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down his previous program. Biden says he plans to take action under the Higher Education Act, which allows the Secretary of Education to compromise, waive, or release loans under certain circumstances. It's going to take longer, he says, but in my view, it's the best path that remains. He also announced a 12-month plan on a repayment program. During that time, monthly loan payments will be due and interest will accrue, but borrowers who miss payments will not be hit with the threat of default or have their credit harmed. Again, this is all nowhere near what the progressives want, and it could have all been done with the stuff that progressives wanted had the Democrats done it while they had full control of Congress and the White House. But they decided against it, and then, and then at the last minute just decided, hey, we'll do an executive order. Turns out, not constitutional, the Supreme Court says. So this could have all been avoided, but they decided not to avoid it. They decided they wanted the fight. All right, you guys, have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Drink plenty of water if you're going outside. All of that stuff. I will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great one. This is Joe Cunningham. Find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email joe at redstate.com. You can also check out the podcast version of the show. That is available. Today's will be up in just a few minutes. If you go to joecunninghamshow.substack.com, you can also find my regular political writings there, cover news, some political opinion, stuff like that over there. In the meantime, stick around because Shannon is extremely offsides and he's in with Hippie Hannah today. They're in the next room. They are about to just pounce in and get right to it. Stick around and listen to that here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.